the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you so very much for getting your day started with us at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, the sixth morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord 2020. And yes, the beginning of Holy Week. It should not be lost upon any of us um, who consider ourselves to be people of faith that the week that is being touted as potentially being the deadliest since this uh, coronavirus, this Chinese coronavirus pandemic struck um, around the world and certainly here in the United States. This is supposed to be the deadliest week to date. It should not be lost upon us that the Surgeon General for the United States of America, Dr. Jerome Adams, says, as a matter of fact, this is going to be our Pearl Harbor moment, our 9-11 moment. tragically fitting that we're talking at the beginning of Holy Week because this is going to be the hardest and the saddest week of most Americans' lives, quite frankly. This is going to be our Pearl Harbor moment, our 9-11 moment, only it's not going to be localized. It's going to be happening all over the country, and I want America to understand that, but I I also want them to understand that the public, along with the state and the federal government, have the power to change the trajectory of this epidemic. You mentioned Italy and Spain. They had a very, very hard time, and they're still having a hard time, but they seem to have reached their peak and are coming back down on the other side. And you say weeks, months behind. I would actually push back a little bit. When you look at their trajectory from about uh, a month ago is when they really started to lean into their aggressive mitigation efforts, their really aggressive mitigation efforts. And so I want Americans to understand that as hard as this week is going to be, there is a light at the end of the tunnel if everyone does their part for the next 30 days. I would suggest to you that part of the doing your part thing, as I kind of pivot back to the beginning of the statement that I just played for you from uh, Dr. Jerome Adams on uh, on uh, Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace yesterday, I think part of doing our part is indeed the social distancing that they talk about. 
I would prefer it not be done um, under lock and key. I would prefer that we're not all locked up and unable to go to our jobs and unable to enjoy the freedom that the United States of America offers to all of us. I would prefer that we had our choice as to where we went and how we went there. But I would absolutely encourage people under that freedom with the liberty to move to 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 get from here to there to visit places that uh, and to visit people and so on and so forth while practicing i would encourage people to practice that social distancing that is part i do understand it i truly do by all of the doctors from the team at the white house that includes of course dr jerome adams the surgeon general but also dr fauci uh, which of, who is of course an infectious disease specialist dr burks handpicked by uh, vice president pence to uh, be his right hand in all of this all of the uh, medical professionals at cdc etc cetera, etc cetera, all of the researchers uh they're not all lying when they say social distancing is a big part of this that is a part of doing our part no question washing our hands wiping down various you know things that we come into contact with all of those things are very, very good, sound advice. Again, I would prefer it not be uh, done you know, uh, at, at, at the tip of the spear. I would rather have people just be smart enough to do that on their own. But nonetheless, part of it is following the guidelines of social distancing. The other part, when Dr. Jerome Adams says we have to do our part, I think the other part is prayer. Now, I know that's going to draw the scorn of the American left. I know that's going to draw the eye rolls of the Democrat Party. It's going to draw the, uh, you know, the deep, heavy sighs of the liberal left that also says the same thing whenever we say, let's pray for the victims after a mass shooting. They tell you, go to hell with your thoughts and prayers. They're worthless. The atheists among us, maybe the agnostics, Maybe those who are actually believers in God, but just don't believe in God. And you understand the difference. They may believe in God by saying, I am a member of this religion. I am a Christian, perhaps. Or I am a Jew, and I believe in God. But when it comes time to deal with tragedy in the United States, Ah, the heck with your prayers to God. Those are useless. Well, then they don't truly believe in God, now do they? So I'll get the scorn and I'll get the eye rolls from them when I say this. And when you hear Dr. Adams talk about this, um, we're probably all going to get a little bit of dismissiveness sent our way, going to have some shade thrown our way. And I am not suggesting that prayer alone would substitute for all of the medical research and all of the incredible efforts of the first responders, the frontline doctors and nurses, and the researchers working feverishly around the clock, 24 hours a day, to try to find the cure, to try to find the antibodies, to try to find the vaccine, to try to uh, tr- do trials with hydroxychloroquine and ZPAC and zinc and all of the people who are working collectively to to deal with this on you know our side of things but i would suggest to you that part of our jobs when dr adam says let's do our part it would be to yes indeed pray for loved ones who may be suffering pray for those who have not yet maybe contracted this disease but are going to when you hear dr adams 
speaking on behalf of the White House Coronavirus Response Task Force, saying that this is going to be our Pearl Harbor week. This is going to be our our 9-11 week. That means there's going to be a lot of death. President Trump used that word many times in his uh, Saturday, I think it was. It's hard to keep them all straight because there's a new one every day. But his Saturday press briefing on the coronavirus you know, situation, the president said there's going to be death. There's going to be a lot of death. And I get that. And to me, that is all the more reason to recognize that this is Holy Week. And it is all the more reason for us to, to ask God for his intercession, or at the very least for his blessing of the souls uh, that, uh, that do not survive this pandemic. Um, I believe it's very important to recognize that this is Holy Week and it's supposed to be the deadliest week um, since this pandemic began. And I hope we are doing our part. And I hope we are saying our prayers and we are asking God to assist us in this very difficult time. Maybe just ask him to bless the hands and the minds of the do- those who are working so hard to save us and to save so many. Uh, ask him f- uh, you know, for his patience. Or rather, ask, a- ask him to help uh, to bless us with patience for ourselves as we deal with all of the ramifications of this. Ask him to bless all of the families that are suffering now because they're unemployed or their um, providers are unemployed, the business owners who are closed up and all the rest. There is a time for prayer and Holy Week perhaps more than any other week on the calendar, including Christmas, the week of Christmas, etc. This is uh, this is the time. So uh, thank you to Dr. Adams for reminding us of that, and I hope and I trust you will recognize that as well. I'm not preaching to you today. This is, this is the answer, not the word. We turn to the word, our sister station, for many of those um, uh, prayers, but uh, uh, I just wanted to offer that part of this. I found it very, very poignant that Dr. Adams, who of course is a man of science as a surgeon general, uh, made a point of saying this is Holy Week, and this is, uh, this is not lost upon us. All right, it's uh, it's 916. There are so many elements to cover today, and we're going to cover as many of them as we can. Coming up at 948, uh, we're going to talk to Congressman Jordan, as we do each and every Monday on AM 1420, The Answer. Congressman Jordan and I are going to discuss a lot of things, including, obviously, uh, the latest on the coronavirus, the expectations of this Pearl Harbor week or this 9-11 style week that is being projected by almost everybody on the response teams. We're going to also talk to him about Nancy Pelosi's plan to use this crisis to begin the theft of elections in November and for Lord knows how much further on. She wants to make sure that all elections are done by mail and mail alone. And the opportunities for uh, for fraud and for theft of votes, uh, you can't even begin to calculate all of those, which is why this has to be a non-starter. But this is what she is pushing for. She is also pushing, Nancy Pelosi is, uh, for a new select committee uh, with subpoena powers to investigate President Trump and his response to the coronavirus. In other words, another attempt in this election year to drag him down. They couldn't do it with Russia. They couldn't do it with Ukraine. Now they're going to try to do it with coronavirus response, which is just this side of, no, it's not this side. It's across the line of insane. We'll also talk to him about the firing of Inspector General Atkinson, which has a lot of tongues wagging in D.C. and around the country and the John Durham probe as well. Then at 1010, friends, you're going to want to hear this. A Berea resident and a listener of this show, whose name is Gary Broberg, is apparently something of a canine specialist. That's right. He works with dogs. 
training dogs, and he has worked with FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and a task force to train scent-detecting dogs, using them to locate dead bodies and to smell, perhaps, various diseases. He thinks dogs can be trained very quickly and very easily to smell coronavirus on people. In other words, the testing that we have lacked in so many cases could be just rendered almost obsolete if these dogs, and if it can be proven, and that their results can be trusted, uh, if they can indeed make that you know make that leap to smelling coronavirus. So Gary Broberg uh, says it's going to happen, it can happen, and he's going to join us coming up at uh, ten ten this morning. So we have a lot of things to talk about. I welcome you at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Right back after this. Okay, onward at 923. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Again, phone lines are open at 216-901-0945. Our first guest is at um, uh, 948. That'll be Congressman Jordan. So if you do want to get in now or right after the bottom of the hour news, this is a good chance for you. Uh, but we do have a lot of ground to cover here as well. So uh, let's let's start with what is happening with respect to the president. Um, president Trump's daily briefings on the coronavirus are being turned into combative arguments with a press that has become emboldened by itself, meaning one anti-Trump news agency like CNN is encouraged and emboldened by another as they applaud one another for not asking questions of the president to gather information, which is what the job of uh reporters is supposed to be but rather to listen to him and then argue with him not ask follow-up questions to again gather information from the white house from the individual doing the press conference no to argue with him to disprove his his theories this is what these press gatherings have devolved into it's why a number of them um, the media outlets are not carrying the press conferences anymore. They don't like the fact that Donald Trump has almost a bully pulpit to talk to the American people directly about what is going on, about what the CD's response is, about what the updated uh, uh, information from the White House Coronavirus uh, Task Force is. They don't want to hear it because President Trump essentially is getting all of the airtime at a time in which campaigning has almost ground to a halt since it's April, and we're heading into the very crucial summer months, obviously, of a, of a presidential campaign, they don't like the fact that Donald Trump is getting almost exclusive coverage because he gets to go on live TV on all the networks every day. And Joe Biden, meanwhile, gets to sit behind his little desk in his little basement studio, which is fine, by the way. He's quarantining or, or you know, staying safe, social distancing. I'm not ripping Biden for being home. Uh, absolutely not. Everybody's working from home right now. God bless. But Biden it just, it just sits there with his own script and fumbles and bumbles and, 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 and stumbles his way through statement after statement that nobody is paying attention to. Meanwhile, President Trump has the attention of the world. And so they don't like that. 
And so they don't want him to have that, which is why many of them are are not carrying the press conferences or at least the press conferences in full anymore. And while they are there, strangely enough, some of them that are not carrying the press conferences in full, like CNN, still get to have reporters on the scene asking questions. Makes no sense to me, but that's what they do. And so what they do is they sit there and they argue with the president. The point of a press conference is to ask the president what the facts of the situation are, as he knows them right now, and then say, thank you, sir. Instead of thank you, sir, it's full-on arguing with the president. No, 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 sir, because you said blah, 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 or because Dr. Fauci said blah, 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 or because this was said uh, in another uh, location at another time and in another place. It's all about gotcha. In other words, if Trump is going to get all of this coverage, we have to make it negative coverage. We have to embarrass him. We have to take him down. That's the mission of the media, which, by the way, is exactly why Donald Trump has called it for so long in his presidency the, the, the uh, enemy of the people. They're not serving the people by, by trying to tamp down everything the president says, particularly when the president is being aspirationally optimistic on everything from an end, a light at the end of the tunnel to this entire pandemic to the possible uh, uh, positive effects of drugs like hydroxychloroquine. Doesn't matter what he says about it. If it's, hey, this could work. This could be very helpful. They want to argue with him and say, no, it won't. How dare you? He won't join them in the gutter of doom and gloom, and they're making him pay for it. Mr. As well President, as, as President of the United States, your words carry enormous weight in this country and around the world. And while you acknowledge you're not a physician, you do promote these medicines extensively here. How do you not go so far as to be giving medical advice? And you said yesterday you might take some of these medicines even though you don't have symptoms. Are you still planning to do that? And how do you calibrate being enthusiastic and not playing doctor? Because I want people to live. And I'm seeing people dying. And I've seen people that are going to die without it. And you know the expression, when that's happening, they should do it. What really do we have to lose? We also have this medicine's been tested for many years for malaria and for lupus, so it's been out there. So it's a very strong, powerful medicine, but it doesn't kill people. We have some very good results and some very good tests. You've seen the same test that I have. Uh, In France, they had a very good test. They're continuing. But we don't have time to go and say, gee, let's take a couple of years and test it out, and let's go and test with the test tubes and the laboratories. We don't have time. I'd love to do that. But we have people dying today. As we speak, there are people dying. If it works, that'd be great. If it doesn't work, we know for many years, malaria, it, it's incredible what it's done for malaria. It's incredible what it's done for lupus, but it doesn't kill people. That's one of the things with a vaccine. When we have a vaccine, we have to do tests because when you inject that vaccine, when they take whatever it is they have to take, We have to make sure it doesn't have a horrible impact. Destroy somebody could. So we have to test it for a long period of time. This one, not so much because it's been out there now. And that's extraordinarily important. The president is 100% right. This drug is not harmful. It has been on the market for prescriptions for, for decades. 
And people take it for a variety of reasons. Lupus, Sjogren syndrome, um, uh, obviously uh, 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 malaria. It is not something that is going to harm anyone who takes it. So as the president said, when people are dying, why would you not try everything at your disposal? And considering the fact that there is more than anecdotal evidence that it can help people. Now, it's not, you know, there, there hasn't been widespread, massive amounts of randomized testing done, again, because, as he said, of the time factor, it has been done in more than enough cases to call it anecdotal evidence. A thousand uh, people tested in France, hundreds more in China. More in the United States as well. They're seeing multiple tests. And as a matter of fact, we just reported on this this past Friday in a survey of 600 health providers, 600 physicians in 30 different countries. The leading drug of choice to give to COVID-19 patients is hydroxychloroquine combined with z 37% of the doctors said that's my number one go-to medicine. Now, I want you to think about it. That's in 30 countries. Is Donald Trump playing doctor in these these, uh, press briefings? No, he's not. But he's listening to the doctors who are saying this is the way to go. So why are you constantly, American press, harping against something like hydroxychloroquine? And we know the answer to that question, because Trump supports it. That's the only reason you are against it. 9.30 on News Time. Back after this. All right, 938 now, the Bob France Authority continuing. We've got uh, Congressman Jim Jordan in about 10 minutes. Looking forward to that conversation. Looking forward to hearing from you, too. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Let's go to Barbara, who's calling us from Cleveland Heights now on AM 1420, The Answer. Barbara, go right ahead. Hey, a few weeks ago, um, <clears throat> I found out about the hydrochloroquine. And um, <clears throat> I, my husband's a doctor, and I said, please, please, write us our prescriptions. I want to have these on hand. So um, I went and got the one prescription. I, I went and got the prescriptions. Sure enough, the next day my chest felt tight. My temperature rose to 100.6. And I spoke with my husband and I started the medication. And I feel great. So um, I just, I'm with the idea that why not? There's nothing to lose. And in fact, Africa, the rate is very low because um, they continue to take this malaria medication in Africa, and that's why the rate is so low. And I understand also in India that um, they want to give the population the hydrochloroquine prophylactically, in other words, to prevent uh, them getting this. And um, I just don't, I, 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 I feel sad for Trump, the kinds of politics that he's trying, that he has to negotiate. And I think he's doing the best he can. And um, it's just, uh, you know, he wants to give hope and he wants to, and he's a pragmatist. He's trying to do the best he can. I don't envy his position. Well, um, Barbara, I agree with almost everything you said. I would probably hold back just a little bit on, I'm not a doctor, obviously, um, but, but just from reading and listening, I think prophylactically, it's probably not 
ready yet for that just to prevent you from getting the disease i don't think they're going to pre- prescribe that and again that's what people have to remember this is a this is a prescription only drug it's been approved by the fda as a prescription as a treatment of as you said malaria and the president talked about lupus i can tell you i know people who take it for sjogren syndrome and other kinds of things it's got to be prescribed so it's not like people can just say i'm going to go and get some at the drugstore and i'm going to take it so i don't get the coronavirus that would have to be prescribed as well and i don't think they're there yet for a preventative use but everything else you said i completely agree and and why would no one or why would anyone be opposed to taking something that is proven to be not harmful if 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 at the very worst case scenario somebody with coronavirus is prescribed the uh hydroxychloroquine and z-pack and zinc combo and they take it it doesn't help them that's the worst case scenario. It doesn't help them. The best case scenario is that it does help them and the symptoms go away and they recover and, and go home. Um, and so why would anybody not take that chance? Uh, why would doctors hesitate in prescribing? And the answer to that is they're not. Uh, the, the vast majority of doctors, as I mentioned in that survey, are indeed choosing that as their go-to uh, prescription. Yeah, I, I just want to add also there are side effects of dizziness, um, faintness, hair loss, weight loss. I'm not going to argue, you know, but I mean, but they're so minor compared to what the drug, uh, the positive effects of the drug. And I just want to say one more thing about the economy. I stepped into a store the other day and they pointed a little laser at my forehead and took my temperature and they said, okay, you're fine. Come on in. I mean, I think there are ways to get this economy back on track. I totally agree, and that is going to be another part of our discussion this morning. Thank you so much for the call, Barb. I appreciate it. Um, that is so such a very good point. There are things that can be done, again, sensibly and responsibly, without keeping us all under lock and key, without threatening to jail us the way they are down in Hamilton County. I'm going to talk about that, too. A Republican, a Republican prosecutor uh, in uh, Hamilton County, so this isn't partisan. I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. And I might ordinarily agree with somebody like Joe Dieters, but he wants to throw people in jail for leaving their houses. I got a problem with that. And we're going to talk about that as well. But, um, to the other point, um, American Greatness uh, reporting on this this morning after yesterday's embarrassing display by the media as well during the president's press briefing, again, for him promoting hydroxychloroquine. Um, hydroxychloroquine in conjunction with z has been shown in some cases to prevent the Chinese virus from advancing, maybe not prevent it from getting caught. The president was encouraging people to try it, or rather doctors, since people can't just go buy the drug anyway, and they need a prescription. Yesterday at the Daily Press Conference, several members of the press kept sniping at him, saying the drug is unproven. Hydroxychloroquine is already being used for other things, and it is contraindicated for people uh, with heart conditions. But other than that, what's the issue with trying it? It is not expensive, and it, it will not be harmful. CNN wants you to know, experts do not suggest taking hydroxychloroquine as a preventative for COVID-19 because there's no evidence yet to suggest it protects against contracting the virus. Well, that's why nobody is saying it can be used preventatively or as a prophylactic. They are suggesting that it can be used to treat an existing case of it. And in fact, it is being used now in uh, places around the world. I will pivot to a statement I made in the last segment when I mistakenly, that's right, I will own this. I mistakenly said an international poll of over 600 doctors in 30 countries say that uh, the vast majority, or not the vast majority, but the highest number of uh, recommendations, 37%, were for um, hydroxychloroquine. I was wrong, and I own that. 
I wasn't 600 doctors. It was 6,000 doctors. An international poll of 6,000 doctors spread out over 30 countries fighting the pandemic said that the anti-malarial drug hydroxychloroquine was the most highly rated treatment for the virus. Their survey conducted by CERMO, a global healthcare polling company of 6,227 physicians in 30 countries, found 37% of those treating COVID-19 patients rated hydroxychloroquine as the most effective therapy from a list of 15 options provided to them. So if you're saying, if the, the reporters who are harassing the president daily are saying, listen to the experts, then let's do that. Listen to the experts across all cultures, across 30 countries around the world, 6,000 doctors saying this is the best one to go with. Let's uh, get a call in from Al, who is in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Al, go ahead. Yes. Um, in the spirit of working together, I was going to suggest call the White House and suggest to Trump maybe he should give Nancy Pelosi a position, a temporary position. Uh, she could be the czar of toilet paper. Maybe she could solve the problem. And then I had second thoughts. Uh, she would probably figure out how to create food shortages so that people would need less toilet paper. <laughs> well, you know what? There's a lot of things you could say. Thank you for the call, Al. There's a lot of things you could say about Nancy Pelosi. Um, the fact that she cares about the people of the United States would not be one of them. Uh, she wants to uh, completely steal the right of the people to vote uh, and to have their votes count by making it vote by mail. And she wants to start another select committee now to investigate the president, uh, even as he continues to help fight this global pandemic. That's all you need to know about Nancy Pelosi. And we'll talk about her when we talk to Congressman Jordan next on AM. 1420 the answer okay 949 now as we continue on am 1420 the answer joining joining us now as he does each and every monday is Ohio's 4th District Congressional Representative, Congressman Jim Jordan. Congressman, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. Good morning to you. What a challenging time we're in right now. The Surgeon General yeah. of the United States yesterday, I think, put it very well. Um, you know, He said, this week is going to be our most challenging week yet. He called it our Pearl Harbor moment or our 9-11 moment. And he pointed out that it's coinciding with the start of Holy Week, which is so important, of course, mm. to Christians. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I think it's lost while we're all focused on the science. There is a time for faith and there is a time for people. Oh, sure. You know, I, yeah, I think sure. right now, as we expect the, you know, as, as we, uh, you know, we trust the scientists and doctors are doing all they can. Sometimes we have to recognize Holy Week is upon us and maybe turn our attention to God. Yep. No, well said. I, I think I said last week on, on, on the show, Bob, you know, um, Paul's letter to Timothy he says, "Fight the good fight, finish the course, keep the faith." And keeping the faith uh, certainly involves uh, uh, prayer uh, and 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 prayer at this special time of the year um, when we celebrate the uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of the of the Savior is uh, is I think just so appropriate and so important. So yeah, let's let's uh, and I'm sure all your listeners are praying and and the country is praying. So that's that's good. 
We do need to be positive. I think the president is leading the country in positivity and aspirational uh, uh, views. And uh, but we do have to recognize the reality of what the doctors are saying and what the cur- the models are saying now about the curve. This week is going to be the most challenging week. Do you? Uh, how do you feel about what the Surgeon General said? What Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks have said about this perhaps being the worst week of the pandemic thus far? Yeah, that, that's. I mean, look, they're the experts, and and, and I'm I'm not. Uh, I, I appreciate their expertise. I, I really appreciate the president's leadership, um, and I appreciate the fact that the president, again on Saturday at his press conference, said that that, that look, um, we do need to get back to work as soon as possible. And the president, I think, sort of under, understands how serious this is. I think we all do. But the president has also said now a couple times, and he reiterated this on Saturday, that the cure can't be worse than the disease. So we've got to get our country back to work, um, get this economy moving as absolutely as fast as we possibly can, uh, but uh, understanding that we, we, we still have to do that in conjunction with dealing with this, this terrible virus. So uh, I think the president's got the right attitude. He, he understands how we need to get moving, and uh, I think he's going to make that happen as quickly as he possibly can and do it in the safest possible way. Uh, that he possibly can. Well, you know who doesn't quite understand what the president is doing and doesn't want to support it at all is the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Nancy Pelosi Mm -hmm. announced last week that she and they are launching a bipartisan, they're calling it Select Committee, to oversee the coronavirus response. But a couple of quick checks on this prove it is not overseeing the response. It is investigating the response. They couldn't take Donald Trump down with Russia. They couldn't take him down with Ukraine. Now they want to take him down over his handling of the federal response to coronavirus in the middle, Congressman, of the pan, not right. after the fact, in the middle right. of the pandemic. Right. And called it a select committee. Uh, now, again, she, this is not bipartisan because she didn't, she didn't run this by uh, Leader McCarthy. And, and get his input before. In fact, his input has been, we shouldn't do this. This is, this is, and, and you're exactly right, Bob. This is just one more vehicle for them to use to go after the president of the United States. Um, it's, it's crazy, but, but they have been political on everything and they've been political on this crisis. Remember, it was Pelosi who wanted the money for the Kennedy Center. It was Pelosi who wanted the Green New Deal and the legislation that was designed to help families and small business owners. It was Pelosi who wanted money for NPR and that and, and, and public. It, it, it was Pelosi who wanted all these left-wing diversity standards for every single corporate board in the country that the government was going to mandate you have. So they've been consistent in going after the president and being political with this, um, which is unfortunate because let's let's focus on this. We just touched Let's focus on, on, on dealing with this crisis, getting through it so we can get our economy moving as, as, as soon as possible. The other Nancy Pelosi story I wanted to ask your comment on, Congressman Jordan, is, is this one. Because you pointed out correctly <clears throat> that in the uh, relief bill uh, that was passed and signed, they tried to get all of those things jammed into it. We're successful in some cases on getting money in to, uh, for things that have yeah. nothing to do with coronavirus response. But the next one, if there is to be a phase four, she now is calling for vote by mail to be included in this bill. She said in a tweet, vote by mail is essential to protecting the future of our democracy as we confront this public health crisis. There is no legitimate argument against enacting it. I would argue there is a legitimate argument against enacting it, and that is the Democrat Party, which is looking to steal votes at every and has been forever through voter fraud a million different ways from Sunday. Now they just want to go ahead and drop it in the mailbox and hope that the person who's supposed to be casting that ballot is the one who pulls it out of the mailbox and does so. I cannot believe this is even a thought. No, again, uh, everything turns political for the left. 
they don't, as, as Rahm Emanuel has now famously said, they don't let a crisis go to waste. They, they capitalize on it, and they capitalize on it in a way to, to further their, their political objectives. So uh, you're right. I'm very nervous about that as well. Um, let's, and we keep saying this, but it's, it, but it's the truth. Let's focus on the crisis. Let's focus on getting through this, this tough week that we know that the experts are telling us is coming. Let's get through that. Then let's focus on those areas of the country that can go back to work as, as soon as possible and, and, and get things moving in the right direction and, and not focus on political objectives and, and dangerous, dangerous games that they want to play with our voting process, our sacred voting process that we have in this great country. So uh, I think that's where the country is, but, um, they're going to keep pushing and we're going to have to, we're going to have to fight it and we're going to have to oppose the crazy left wing things they want to put in, in any subsequent legislation. Well, let me pivot to uh, something, again, that's a little bit away from the coronavirus topic, which is dominating mm-hmm. this country, and that is the president's decision uh, Friday night to fire the um, intelligence community, I.G. Atkinson. Um, this caught a lot of people off guard. Uh, a lot of people criticized him for doing it late night on Friday when it would be somewhat buried uh, by the news cycle or buried in the news cycle. Um, he's got some support for this. He's also got a lot of people in, uh, attacking the decision, including a fellow I.G., and in this case it oh. would be uh, Horowitz, who has defended yeah. Atkinson, uh, what is your take on the president's decision to fire well, Atkinson? Good move. I, I, I think it's a totally a, a good move. In fact, we tweeted about it. This, this is, and we said in our tweet, this is this is Adam Schiff's enabler. Remember, this is the guy who who first met with the whistleblower and didn't even didn't even push and, and figure out that the whistleblower had already met with Schiff's staff. Didn't even didn't even figure that out. Uh, this is this is the this is the guy who. Who sent the letter and started this whole this whole process based on an anonymous whistleblower with no firsthand knowledge who was biased against the president and who worked for Joe Biden? And remember how the Atkinson wrote it all up. He kind of he kind of said, "Well, there was some indicia of bias." No, he worked for Joe Biden. For goodness' sake! So that that's, this was the guy who sort of enabled Adam Schiff to launch this thing. And of course, it was Schiff who didn't tell us that he had, his staff had met with the whistleblower. The only two elected officials whose staff met with the whistleblower. Guess who they are? Michael Atkinson and Adam Schiff. And so people are criticizing the president for firing this. You've got to be kidding me. So the president did the, did the right thing. Um, and I like Mr. Horowitz, but I think I, I agree with the president on this one 100%. Tell me more about the Horowitz uh, uh, response. Are you surprised by it? Uh, and let me just quote it for those who didn't hear it. I'm sure you did, of course. Uh, 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 Horowitz in, uh, uh, issued a statement saying, quote, Inspector General Atkinson is known throughout the Inspector General community for his integrity, professionalism, and commitment to the rule of law and independent oversight that includes his actions in handling the Ukraine whistleblower complaint, complaint which the then acting director of national intelligence stated in congressional testimony was done, quote, by the book and consistent with the law. Why do you suppose Horowitz is coming out in defense in, uh, so strongly? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I do know that Mr. Horowitz, this wasn't the only reason he was in the news last week. He, he did issue a report last Tuesday on, on, on a broader uh, look at the FISA process that was very scathing. I mean, it was as bad as it could have been, Bob. He, they looked at 29 FISA applications of American citizens, and they found major mistakes in every single one. So uh, I'm not sure why he is saying what he is about Mr. Atkinson. Here's what I also know about Mr. Atkinson, though, Bob. He, his testimony said there were 23 people that the that was that were interviewed as part of the impeachment process. Every single transcript has been made public except one. Guess which yeah. one that that wasn't made public? Mr. Atkinson's transcript. That's right. So why is why won't Adam Schiff release that? Um, so so th- th- there is something here, and we 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 
We smelled this early on, uh, and I think the president understands it, and that's why he got rid of him. Mr. Horowitz has defended him. I get that. But um, I like Mr. Horowitz's work on everything else. I just disagree with him on, on his decision to say that Mr. Atkinson shouldn't have been fired. Well, I'm glad you pointed out uh, the other part of the news cycle that he was a part of last week when you talked about the Pfizer report. And uh, I want to talk about the continuing investigation of um, so many bad actors in the Russian collusion hoax. John Durham's investigation intensifies. I was so happy to see this over the weekend, this headline, Durham investigation intensifies, focus now on John Brennan. Uh, his review of the investigation is putting increased scrutiny on Brennan, searching for any undue influence he may have had during 2017's until intelligence community assessment of Russian interference. What is your uh, what is your read right now on on where the Durham investigation will go and more important well as importantly when we might get results. I think the when is this summer that's based on uh, statements made by Attorney General Barr. Um, the what's contained in there is anybody's guess. Uh, these headlines I think are encouraging but you know I've seen encouraging headlines before that never seemed to pan out with anyone actually being held accountable. Let's hope this is different. I do have confidence in Mr. Barr. I do have confidence in Mr. Durham. So let, let, let's hope they get to the bottom of it. The idea that they're looking into Brennan, I think, is important. Because remember what Bill Barr said. He, taught, he used the word spying over a year ago when he first testified on this, this issue in front of the Senate Finance Committee. Mm-hmm. And we know that took place. And if they're looking at Brennan, there was this mysterious character named Joseph Mifsud. I talked about him when, uh, and, and when I questioned Mueller uh, a year ago. And this guy lied to the FBI three times. They didn't charge him with anything, and they can't find him. No one's been able to locate this guy since that happened, since they had that, that interview in, in uh, 2017 with, um, with Mr. Mifsud. The FBI, no one's been able to find him or locate him since then. And I want to know, this was the guy who gave the information to Papadopoulos, who then passed it to the, to the uh, diplomat who then gave it to the FBI that started the whole Trump-Russia investigation. And he was never charged and never, never a follow-up interview done. Why was that? So this is the kind of thing I think you need to look at. And Brennan's probably the guy who has some, some insight into that. So we'll just have to wait and see. Congressman Jordan, thank you so much for staying on top of all of that. I know it's hard to kind of, uh, you know, stay with the actual job when everything seems to be, you know, uh, directed right now toward the response to the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. So uh, I wish you continued good health, you, your family, your staff, you and too. everyone else you around too. you. And uh, during this Holy Week, let's uh, let's all say a prayer that we all continue that way. Yeah, yeah. God bless you. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Thank you, Congressman. Congressman Jim Jordan joining us on AM 1420. The answer, it's 10.01. We'll take our time out now. We'll listen to the news. And on the flip side, a new way to detect coronavirus? Is it possible that the answer is dogs? We'll have that story next. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.